I want to run a hundred mile race, not because I care about the finish line anymore, because I really don't. I want to know who I have to become in order to get there, which means I have to run a very different race. Choose not to live in a world of filters. Realize your mistakes. Set the foundation for your success. Get some wins. Knucklehead Podcast. Welcome to another edition of Knucklehead Podcast. You got with you today, the Knucklehead Steven. And uh, I'm excited about having Yita Nankarni with us all the way from Montreal, Canada. Thank you very much for taking the time, Ms. Gita. How are you? Thank you for having me, Steven. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And it was funny, we were talking uh, a few minutes ago about, you know, what it is that we both do and, and how you can hear, not just with your clients, but just all over the place, the, the marketing messages that are out there, the pitches and copy that we hear all the time and all the things that we're doing. And it's interesting. We're here on Knucklehead, largely talking about the mistakes that we've made or mistakes that we've seen other folks make and the successes that they make as a result of those mistakes. And, uh, and I know with somebody who, with uh, the branding chops uh, such as you, uh, you, you see opportunity all over the place versus just things that people are doing wrong. Is that right? Correct. Absolutely. Um, one, of my, one of my mentors, Sarah Blakely, who is the world's youngest self-made female billionaire, uh, one of the things I've learned from her is she, her dad used to have a practice where once a week at the family dinner table, he would ask Sarah and her brother, what did you fail at this week? And if they didn't have a good story of failure, he'd be disappointed because the only failure is not trying. Okay. And right. I love that. I just listened yesterday to a Richard Branson uh, talk and he was communicating about how his philosophy has always been, if you're not failing, uh, then you're not, you really have no capacity whatsoever. He talked about, it was, it was given the analogy of a pendulum, right? Yeah. You can't push, you yeah. literally cannot push the pendulum up the success ramp. But what you can do is you can completely manipulate it on the failure side, but the pendulum will swing back the other way. So if you're not getting out of your comfort zone, if you're not uh, experiencing failure, and if you're not uh, largely putting yourself in an environment where you can learn from those failures, you're never going to experience success, especially for an extended period of time. That makes so much sense. But also my perception of failure has shifted dramatically the deeper I get into coaching. I used to have a more traditional view of failure, if you will, where it was, you could do something right or that, and there were certain metrics that would mean success. And if you didn't hit those metrics, then it was failure. It was very binary. This way is success. This way points to failure. And I have often found myself in that gap or on the failure side. And what I've realized, what I've come to realize is that failure or in inverted commas now is really an opportunity to practice self-acceptance because, and this is the work that I do daily as a practice for myself. This is the work that we teach our clients to do. Ultimately, everything that goes wrong, quote unquote, in your life is, think of it as a bodybuilder. It's the weight that you're sort of building muscle against where the muscle that you're really honing is self-trust and self-acceptance because if you could truly, truly trust yourself to always make the right decision, always make the right call and always speak your truth, you can only do that when you fundamentally love, trust and accept yourself. But the more that you can do that, think about that, the more that you can do that, imagine what you can stand in front of the world and say, 
when other people's rejection doesn't matter as much anymore, when that isn't a factor, when you're not saying things to be loved, you're not saying things to be accepted because you fundamentally accept yourself, that cup is full. And it's so ironic because that's how the universe works is the more you accept yourself, the less you fear rejection, the less you fear rejection, the less likely you are to be rejected in the first place because who does everybody want to be around? The person who is the most comfortable in their own skin because when you are fully comfortable in your own skin, then everybody else has permission to be so too. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. For instance, whenever we first started Knucklehead, and you know, we can spend some time talking a little bit about your experience with coaches and and that maturation process that they have to go through and some, and really kind of some, some bloody nose moments or skin knees, so to speak, uh, that happens during that, that, that maturation or growth curve. But we started this process. We started this, this podcast simply uh, because we wanted to get the message out there that in the pursuit of something larger than what you're currently accomplishing, you're going to screw up. There's really no way around it. Absolutely. <laughs> you, you Absolutely. Cannot, you can't out of what, and I loved how you touched on it. You just said, well, I used to have a traditional viewpoint, so to speak, of, of what failure was like. And so I'm, I'm kind of captivated and fascinated by you leading with that because I'm assuming it, it may have been whenever you were doing something different than what you're doing now for work. Is that, is that off base to start with? Or, or? No, that's a great place to start. I mean, I, I mean, I, I've, I've had a nine to five job and I, you know, I was a TV personality and that I had my face up on billboards and I was quote unquote famous. And, and I've been brought up by two type A overachievers. My mom was one of the first generation of women in India to be educated at the level. She was a, a medical doctor, a cancer specialist, no less. She had to be like five times a doctor and 10 times the wife just to be considered equal in either of those categories, right? That, that, that's just how it was. And my dad is in the Guinness Book of World Records because he has a Teflon knee. He has had 26 different surgeries and he's still competing at the veterans level in badminton. He's a world ranked player. So, wow. yeah, I know. So, <laughs> so I'm like the family underachiever, but I was brought <laughs> up, seriously, I was brought up in this really achievement duo type A kind of environment, right? Where it's, you're judged, your self-worth is very deeply tied to what you do and what you get done and what you achieve. Sure. And it has taken me a long time to unhook my self-worth from what I achieve. So yes, I did have a very traditional, I, I, I mean, honestly, I would sign up for endurance events. And then if I hit my goals, I'd be like, damn it, I'd set my goal too low. And then if I didn't hit my goal, I'm like, I knew it, I'm a failure. So, you know, been there, done that, worn all the t-shirts, probably at the same time. What I've realized is there's a value to that way of thinking, because many of us, myself included, use it as a way to motivate ourselves. Because there's a weird kind of assumption in the back of your mind that, well, if I didn't have that pressure, if I didn't put that pressure and I didn't tell myself that story, then I would just basically sit on the couch and drool. It's fair. Yeah. If you can let yourself off the hook, so to speak, you're correct. You're, then you uh, turn into one of those people that you despise. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, I it, that's exactly have. right. That's exactly right. 
I have lived this. I have worked through this. I continue to work through it because it is work that is never done. But you said something, you know, for everybody who, all of the coaches and consultants and course creators that we work with, many of them come to us struggling with income. That's usually what brings people to our door. That's usually what motivates people in a business context to take action, right? It's like, crap, I'm in pain. I am stuck. I don't know what to do. I'm not communicating my value. I'm not making enough sales. My revenue is down. That's usually where they come to us and they'll be making, who knows, you know, under five figures a month, somewhere in that range. And they want to make 20, 30, 50, $100,000 a month. You cannot make that leap from wherever it is you're stuck, if you're in that under 10K range, to $50,000 a month, if you are not prepared to have a breakdown because you need to let the pieces fall in order for them to be rearranged. And what I'll say is that when we work with people, we don't just give you tactical support. You can get any amount of that crap on the internet. If you want just a step-by-step do this and do that kind of thing, you can find that anywhere. What we do, the very first piece we do is we go in and we look at what are the stories that are holding you back? What are the experiences that you had as a child or maybe even a couple of months ago? where you learned, you assigned a particular value to the data, right? Failure, that's a value. Failure is bad. That's a, that's a story. The stimuli, the, the, the facts, the objective facts of whatever went down, those are just neutral, like rain. Rain is neutral. If it's a picnic, it's like a bad thing. And if it's a drought, then it's a good thing, but it's still rain, It's all about the story that you assign it, right? So for us, the very first thing we do, and we have a mindset, full-time mindset coach on the team who will go in there into your subconscious with you so that when you surface all the boogeymen from under your bed, whatever it is you've collected along your journey, some of those things, it's super easy. You shine the light of day on them. They're like vampires. They poof, they just disappear. It's like, oh, I didn't know I believed that. That's stupid. Like I'm, I'm done with that story. Easy peasy lemon squeeze. It's gone. Some those boogeymen come out and you're like, oh, crap. Like, this is why I didn't ask that question. This is why I've been hiding and running the other way my entire dang life. I never, I always, I fill in the blank. And there is all of the angst that goes with that. Have you ever asked yourself why you haven't started a podcast? Well, I already know the reason. So do you. You don't feel like you're tech savvy. You don't feel like you got your message wired tight. And quite frankly, it's just, it's all this mystification going on. Quite frankly, uh, our process helps to demystify that. We're push button for podcasts. We're knucklehead. Why knucklehead? Well, we lead with the fact that you don't know what you're doing. We do. We've been there. We've actually been in your shoes. We take your spoken voice. We literally give a human voice to your website. You want to bring dead leads to life? Well, then you need to talk to knucklehead. Essentially, what we're going to do is we're going to take you through our process and we're going to help take your human voice and increase the process for you going from dead leads to life. How do I, how do I do that? Well, you essentially just take your human voice, put it in a directory and let people consume more of you. Give your audience the ability to Netflix on you. They want to binge watch you. They want to binge listen. Give them the ability to take your voice along on that commute with them. So you can get in touch with us, Steven at Knucklehead Podcasts, or if you've got a really cool story, stories at Knucklehead Podcasts. You can find us on LinkedIn, and on Facebook at Knucklehead Promotions LLC. Get in touch with us. Don't be a beta about the process. Don't let the fact that you don't know prevent you from getting some wins. So don't be a beta, get some wins and contact us today. See ya. I gotta ask you, just because this is Knucklehead, 
let's rewind the clock back just a little bit. Let's, mm-hmm. let's be in, uh, in Ms. Gita's shoes whenever she was asked that question that you do not like to be asked. And that is, what was one of those boogeymans where you had that reaction where you were like, oh, shoot. All right, dad, stay over there. Mom, stay over That bad belief, you know, and you yes. started covering your yeah. head. I, what what sure. was one of those? Well, I mean, I had, um, I had a really huge moment. I'm, I'm an endurance athlete, so it's, it's funny. I think of myself as an endurance athlete, and I recently re- discovered that I have aerobic insufficiency syndrome, which sounds very like scary. But basically, it means I've trained anaerobically my whole life. I've been an athlete my whole damn life. Okay. I have run a half marathon with my heart rate at 192 beats per minute, which is ridiculous. And I thought I was a badass because I did that. It turns out that I was, yeah, I know. I know. Anyway, all this to say that last year, I signed myself up for this event called Everesting. So it's basically you climb up the ski hill 13 times to, to create the altitude and elevation gain of climbing Everest, but it's Everest light. So you climb up, you take the gondola down, you climb up, you take the gondola down 13 times over 36 hours. It's a 30% incline. I know that's a lot of numbers, but just it sucks is basically yeah. the and short of it, right? right? It takes you like an hour and a half or an hour, depending on how fast you go. And I was not going very fast because I, my aerobic base sucks, but whatever. So I was, it was, it's like a 30% incline. You're all on your calves. Like you're just, it's ugly. And I had to hike through the night. From a physiological standpoint, like what were, were your legs like breaking down your fourth time up this thing? My God. Weirdly, I mean, you get... They were, it was really uncomfortable the I'm whole sure. time. It was uncomfortable. And there were, there were some world-class, we're talking ex-Olympians also doing this. And they're like, wow, this really sucks. Like, this is the worst event I've ever done. I'd rather do an Ironman kind of thing. I didn't find it horrible in that sense. What was, for me, the game was really in my mind. Like, my mind was the worst part. Because I was like, why am I going so slowly? Like, why is this? It's not the physical pain. I was never in that much physical pain. Honestly, it was never that bad physically for me. It was just that I felt like I was molasses running uphill. It was just, I couldn't go fast. And I was looking at my time and I'm like, I kept running the numbers in my mind. So this was me psyching myself out, right? I kept running the numbers in my mind. I'm thinking, if, if it's taking me one hour and 30 minutes now, then as I get more tired, this is going to get longer. And that, that is, there is not enough time. Now, what am I going to do? And so then I would try to go a little faster and then I would totally burn myself out and I'd be like, all right, now I'm slowing down. And now we're back to the same horrible time frame. whatever. I got to the eighth percent. It was, I want to say 4.30 in the morning. I'd been hiking through the night. I'd been hiking since 6 a.m. the previous day. So I'd been on my feet more or less continuously for 24-ish, 22-ish hours. That was my breakdown. I just started bawling. I was like, I am not going to make it. And I had this clear vision of me wearing the red vest because you got the red vest for the 13th percent. That's the only way. Otherwise, you had a white vest. And I was like, I, my, my bib number was 13. I was like, come on. Like, all the signs are there. How could this not happen? This is not okay. This is not okay. I had so much of my self-worth tied into, wrapped around this accomplishment, the story that I was such a badass and that, you know, I was the kind of person who would just get it done, you know? So there I am on the eighth ascent. And oh, and so now I'm hiking alone because I got left behind with everybody. So I was, I had four girlfriends that I can basically docked into doing this with me. And they, all of them, other than one, actually, the three of the others were non-athletes. 
So everyone's like, oh, Gita's going to kick our ass. Like this is, you know, and this was the, and it was the opposite. They were kicking my ass. So there was a lot of, my ego was getting such a beating. I cannot even describe it. I can Uh, imagine. It was ugly. It was basically the most beautiful opportunity for me to examine why I drove myself like that. And that's what ended up happening. And before I went, actually, my coach, my mindset coach, because I believe all coaches should have coaches, because otherwise you're out of integrity. But my mindset coach actually said to me, you know, I hope for your sake that you don't do all 13. And I was like, whose team are you on? Seriously. Right? I'm like, what kind of asshole says that? He's like, you know what? The right thing will happen to you no matter what. But I actually think you're going to get more out of it if you don't finish. And he was right. He was right. I absolutely see that in retrospect now that he was dead right. I managed to do 10. I had signed up. When I had signed up for the event, it was nine ascents. It was supposed to be Denali, the equivalent of uh, climbing Mount Denali. And then they just changed the finish line. And I was like, game on, right on. I was also... Some backstory, I was getting over pelvic floor prolapse after my second baby. So there was a lot of training going on. Anyway, long story short, I didn't make it. I did 10 and I psyched myself out and I learned so much in this process. And I had to actually go to the boogeyman under my bed. And the boogeyman, the biggest one, I think, was if you're not that badass, if you're not the kind of person that gets it done no matter what, then then you can't be loved, then, then you're not okay, then you're not enough. And I was like, that is super toxic. First of all, these days you run a marathon, there's an ultra marathon. You run that ultra marathon, then you got to run it in a desert. And if you run it in a desert, then you got to run it at altitude because some other freaking human being has done that. And then where is the end to that? And what happens when you can't? And I was forced to ask myself all of these questions. And I really had to sit and say, what does it prove? Let's say you had done the 13. What then? And the truth of the matter is that I would have thought, oh my God, I got away with it. Like I managed it. Thank God it's over. And I was like, what is the value of that? It really was so interesting. I got to ask you, so this self-discovery exercise that you're going through, are you having the presence of mind in the moment? Or is this largely self-reflective after the fact where you're, you're talking, you know, going through the process of going, you know what, I, I know I'm not going to be able to do this. And, I, and you know what, I just, I just failed. Or I just registered for something, went up this many times, and all of these extenuating circumstances contributed to the way that you decided to stop. And when that happened, you're reflecting. And through this reflection period, you, you came up with, I would love to tell you that I had this reflection while I was doing it, but that would be a lie. Yeah. I was totally like, what in the F is this? I literally, the eighth ascent was like the, it was quite a vocabulary builder. Honestly, every step of that particular climb, I was like, I hate you mountain. I hate you, Jesse. Jesse was my mentor who organized the event. I hate Jesse. I hate the stupid mountain. I hate the red bib. Like I hate all, I hate life. I want to go to a hotel. I want it to be five stars. I want a king size bed with 13 pillows on it. Like honest to God, I was, I want an Uber home. They didn't make enough Epsom salt for the bed. Oh my God, seriously. I was so mad. I was like, that was my breakdown, right? That was all the resistance kind of coming out of me and right then by the way so i'm climbing this mountain there's freaking 16 like eight pairs of eyes in the darkness and i'm hiking with a headlamp it's pitch black i'm on a mountain in utah and i'm like 
oh crap, it's coyote country. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, I was like, great. And then I get eaten by coyotes. Really? This is how it ends? This is just appalling. I am so pissed. It was, it was, it was just a really hilarious in retrospect moment. But in the moment, I did not have the presence of mind to reflect quite this way. In fact, when I rode the gondola down, bawling my eyes out with Jesse, my coach, he said to me, listen, you signed up for nine. Nine's in the bag. You already did eight. You've got plenty of time to do nine. Just like do 10, hang out with your friends, enjoy. And I was like, Jesse, that's what you tell all the freaking non, you know, that's what you tell real, like everyday people. I'm not everyday people. I'm special was the undercurrent, which I did not say, but was like wanting to believe. And it was especially painful. Like, can I just say how painful it is to feel not special in front of someone that you consider the epitome of special? Because that's, I really look up to Jesse at slow. So for me to be sitting next to him in that gondola going down and feeling like a complete failure, I'd be like, Jesse, what would you do if you had set your cap on this? What would you do? Don't tell me because you think I'm one of those people. I'm not one of those people. I'm like you except I wasn't being like him in that moment. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so That was really, really hard for me. But what's interesting about this is that I had signed up for a marathon just after that. And, you know, I've been told that I can never run again because of my pelvic floor issues, whatnot. Everybody in my family was like, don't be a dummy. Like, don't run a marathon. You're going to hurt yourself. Like, what? You just got back. You finally, you did two years of physiotherapy to get here. Why would you do that to yourself? And I'm like, I will finish that marathon. I didn't do Denali and I'll do this marathon and I will prove that I am worth it. And of course, um, on the day, I somehow have some some wisdom anyway, um, because I think that the reflection is possibly working. And I say, I'm going to go and I'm not going to decide. I'm not going to decide until the moment where I have to pick either the half finish line or the continuation for the full. And I'm just going to make that call in that moment. And I ended up running a half and I was at peace with it in the moment. And then for the week after I beat myself up and I was like, did I make the right decision? Did I not? Did I not? Did I not? And I had to sit with that angst. I had to go through it. And it's funny because a month from now, I'm signed up for another marathon. And this time I am going to run a half and I'm signed up for the full and I don't mind. I'm fine with it. And if in the moment I decide to run the full, fine, but it would have to be because I'm feeling good. Now I can run. I'm now pacing myself completely differently because I am the girl who was told she could never run again. I want to be running ultras well into my 80s. I want to run a hundred mile race, not because I care about the finish line anymore, because I really don't. I want to know who I have to become in order to get there, which means I have to run a very different race. Well, it's interesting. What I heard through that entire process and i just got to repeat this back to you is instead of having something to prove you proved to yourself that you don't have anything to prove and maybe yeah. it's just a simply you know kind of a knuckle dragon marine corps way of saying you know exactly what you experienced but that's the reason why i asked you if you experienced it in the moment or if it was a self-reflective exercise because that self-reflective exercise you're not as emotionally charged you may have experienced some of those same emotions but you allow yourself to to really put some distance, which, you know, can increase a little bit of your comprehension of it and give you a different perspective. Absolutely. And I admire the courage that it takes to be able to be that honest with yourself. Myself, there's a lot of guilt that 
I've seen folks, myself included, you've probably witnessed this with people that you're not where you want to be or the family that you're responsible for hasn't had the success that you would like for them to have because you're not willing to be honest with yourself when you've fallen short in the past. Mm-hmm. Come up with what I've called a victim mindset. That victim mindset is mm-hmm. justification, defensiveness, uh, and even even just a little bit of, uh, of of delusion as it relates to what you believe is something largely outside of your control. When in the end, all you can really control is what your reaction was whenever things went wrong. Absolutely, and and my invitation to myself and to all of our clients is always, how can you be curious and playful about this? Like, can you find a way to be curious and playful? Can you ask questions that you would ask if it was your child who had brought you the story? What would you say to them? That's one way to do it. But again, I have just such a different relationship now to failure because I'm like, failure always contains the stairs to the next level. Always, like capital A, always. Like, in, I'll give you a good example in our business, right? Coaches never admit that something's not working in their business because they need to be perfect because otherwise, how will they be a guru? I'm, you're stealing my question from, you're stealing my question. From, <laughs> yeah, but that's fine. Go ahead, please. Well, I'm not a guru. I'm, I'm, I'm the first person to tell you I ain't no guru. I have figured a few things out. I'm working on some other things. And frankly, as a coach, and I think all work ultimately of, any work of any depth has coaching in it. Coaching is about learning. Coaching is about growth. Coaching is about self-reflection and then reflecting to others who they truly are, their potential, their genius. That is coaching in all of us coach. That is that I truly believe this. I work with hundreds of coaches. We all do different things on the surface, but ultimately what we do is the same. We help people realize their potential and the way that we do it is by realizing our own. That is how it works. So I was telling you about a mistake, mistake that I made in, in Jan. So we were fiddling with our funnel. Okay. We have a very, very, I believe in simplicity because I am kind of a knucklehead too, right? I'm just like, I'm not smart enough to run a really complicated business. So I'm going to run a really simple business that I can understand that I can sketch out in a Venn diagram and everything makes sense to me. The end. If it's simple, I can do it consistently. If I do it consistently, I will win. That is what I have learned through endurance sports volume counts. So anyway, January, we were tinkering with our funnel and we tried some innovative and it totally bombed, like bombed. Like basically I threw $5,000 away on ads and shit that didn't work, whatever. So it was happening. And while it was happening, I was kind of like wandering around being like, I wonder why this is not working. Why is this not working? I don't understand. And then at some point I was like, Gita, that's ridiculous. You know exactly why this is not working. It's because you're trying something that hasn't been tried before. And it's not, it didn't work the way you hoped it did you did this. And I was like, oh yeah, that's true. And I was like, oh, well that, you know, five grand, bye-bye. And plus all the earnings that we didn't have because it didn't work, etc. And a past version of me, a less secure, less self-accepting version of me might have just buried that story and never told it. But instead I told our impact mastery group all about it in great detail. And it was thrilling to me. It was kind of fun almost to tell them. I was like, oh, and then please listen to the next stupid thing that I did. And then blah, blah, blah. And then I would tell, like I told them all the details of all of the metrics and whatnot. And they loved it. And I was like, here, let me save you. Let me save you from falling in this ditch because I, you know, fell in it. That's like a Gita shaped hole in the floor. Let me just help you walk past it. And because I did that, and you know what I said about 
failure of having the, the stairway to the, to the next level because I was willing to do that. And because I was willing to share what I had learned to the immediate term, process that data, be honest with myself, process the data and turn it into some kind of training for my people. We had more people sign up for that program and have ongoing recurring revenue as a result of it, which would never have, I've more than made up the five grand that I've lost. Right. hundred percent. And I wouldn't have known to do that if I was so busy hiding that stuff. So now when I, when things don't work out, I really pay attention and I ask a very different set of questions because I'm like, I see, I see something is opening up here and I don't understand what it is, but I have much more faith, much more trust. I trust myself. I'm a great horse to bet on because I always succeed. I always do. I always have. And so now I'm like, well, it's me. (laughs) So we'll be fine. We'll figure this out. So what can I, so how much, so if we're going to figure it out anyway, I can be all angsty and whiny about it and figure it out, or I can have a really good time and figure yep. it out. Yep. No. So I, I, I love the, the simplicity in that message too. And it, quite frankly, the, the uncomfortableness or that eventual self-acceptance that you have to go through, because it requires a little bit of agitation, a little bit of like, oh, yes. eh, why you need it goes away, by the way, there's always that next level of bullshit that you will pull on yourself and you'd be like, hundred oh, percent. And <laughs> isn't it amazing how on the other, just on the other side of that discomfort, just on the other side of it, because prior to you sharing that, even though you got excited about it, I'm, I'm sure you had some sweaty palm moments. I'm sure. Oh, you, yeah. I'm telling like, you, I spent most of John wandering around wringing my hands being like, woe is me and why? Right. And then I was like, oh, and, and, the, the, and the further learning. So the ongoing learning from that fiasco is also, I put too many of my eggs in one basket in terms of our lead generation strategy. And I was like, how many times do I have to come back to this experience before I'm like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready, life. Show me the other bots. I know, I'm, I know it's coming. And the moment I started asking that question, well, guess what? People showed up in my life who are the perfect coach for that next level of you know, diversifying my lead generation strategy. So, and again, every mistake. So now when I make an investment in our own business and I invest heavily in our own growth because I know that growth is always the thing that will get you the biggest ROI. Always, always, always. So I invest heavily in coaching. I invest heavily in mentorship and I invest heavily in my team. So, so we just hired coaches to help us with our video. So we're going to be putting out a whole bunch of videos. So if you're not already following me on YouTube or Facebook or whatever, you sh- really should. That's and what I was about ready to ask. How can people find you? Where, 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 yes. where so I'm Geeta Natkarni, which rhymes with nothing and no one can spell. Um, but if you Google, if you Google Geeta or impact with influence, you'll find me, you'll find me. And I'm on YouTube now. Um, and we're putting out like, my goal, my ultimate play is I want to build a ginormous global ecosystem. We're talking billion with a B dollar company. And for me, the, the number is less about revenue, although there is always that. I believe that purpose and, and um, abundance are an intersection. Those two things are meant to go together. Those are both and, not an either or. So what I want to build is a company that combines physical products with the energy of possibility. So it's a coaching company that also does physical products. And I don't know how to do that. I'll be the first person to tell you, I've never done e-com. I've never done any of this. And when the vision first came to me, I was like, universe, I think you have the wrong number. I have a, a newborn baby in my arms and I have no bandwidth whatsoever, except when purpose finds you 
there is no escaping it. And you can, again, you can kick and scream and struggle or you can just accept it and, and allow it. And I think a lot of abundance has to do with allowing. If I can be with myself, I can allow my truth to come out. Then I can examine it and I can act accordingly. If I can be with myself, then I can allow your truth to be present and then I can be with it and help you be with it. And then we can act accordingly. And so much of coaching is like that. And if I can allow myself to really be okay in this moment, acceptance of this moment does not mean, and this should really be a t-shirt, but acceptance of this moment does not mean acceptance that this is how it's always going to be. Those are not the same story, not at all. We make them the same story and we screw ourselves that way. But being okay in this moment actually frees up bandwidth for you to change the next moment. Yeah, that's very well put. Very well put simply because of the, uh, again, the simplicity. And it's not simply about mindset. There's, there's an action component to what it is that you're saying. So it's, not a, it's never just this snapshot in time. It's what did you do? What was your, what was your action or reaction? And did you allow to, uh, yourself to sit with that uncomfortable, that uncomfortable realization that you just screwed up? And, uh, and, that's, and that's quite frankly what, what, what we talk about um, and why we want to be able to highlight uh, the stories that are similar to yours, right? And, and mm-hmm. here on the show, that's where we want to give people the opportunity to talk about those things. So Gita, for those of you who are listening, is spelled G-E-E-T-A. What was the influence that you said? It's there was an impactwithinfluence.com. So impactwithinfluence.com. If you're ever curious about the way that we've created a coaching business in a box where you can charge premium prices, dial in your mindset and your messaging, figure out what your, you know, your mental bugaboos are that are keeping you stuck, that are keeping you playing at the surface when really all the money is at the deep level, right? Like the deeper you go, it's not about going wide. It's not about playing at the surface. It's about going deep and going deep starts with you examining that in yourself. And I have a, I have a Venn diagram board that one of our clients actually sent to me. This was like a gift that he gave me. He's going to be so successful. Jake, if you're watching this, so I explain how to build a profitable company. There's you, all your skills, your past, your pain, which is really an asset when you learn how to examine it properly. Right. And this is what we teach you how to do. This is what we, we give you systems and frameworks with which to ask questions forever so that you can use this framework for accepting yourself always your passion all of this is what you bring to the table now on the other side of this is your client their pain their stuckness their fears and their desires what is the bliss that they're moving towards and in the middle where these two pieces intersect is where you should build your business this is where your messaging lives this is what's going to make you money and the thing is most people are really excited to do all of this work without ever doing this work and that's why they end up paddling around at the surface and competing on price and figuring out what, what the market will bear. I'm like, the market will bear what you bring to it. You give them a reason. I mean, Lululemon's done it, right? They brought in $100 yoga pants at a time when nobody paid more than 25 bucks for a pair of yoga pants. And yoga pants weren't even a thing. The market will shift if your belief is strong enough. And that's ultimately the lesson. I mean, that's if there was one thing I learned from Sarah Blakely too, it was that She had an idea. On the surface of it, it's a goofy idea. She took pantyhose and cut the feet off. I mean, you know, it's not Einstein-ish exactly. Um, And everybody in the know, everybody who was a guru in the space told her it was dumb. It told told her she was too late, told her the industry was dying. She resurrected a dying industry. Why? Because she had so much opportunity in those early days to practice her belief, 
she used everybody's no as a weight with which to build that muscle with which she believed in her vision. She connected herself to the power of the mission and she knew she was going to figure it out. And she worked on accepting herself and trusting herself enough that when inspiration showed up, she had the energy with which to act. A lot of us, the reason you talked about, you know, there's always action involved. Yes, there is. But unfortunately for most of us, because we're so busy beating ourselves up, we don't have enough energy left with which to act. So when people say, oh, I'm so stuck, I'm procrastinating, I'm not doing it, and blah, 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 all of that, I'm like, yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. The story that you're buried under is sucking all your energy. It's like trying to, it's like trying to run a race while attached to a ball and chain. You can, but it's going to be work. Um, so May as well just let go of that ball and chain. Exactly. I mean. Or, you know, use it as something that you're kind of standing on top of rolling. It, it becomes an asset if you use it right. Everything is an asset when you, you know how to use it right. So that's basically what we teach clients to do. And then we give them once that energy. So we do both. We do both the subconscious stuff, the support, surfacing your beliefs and helping you rewrite them. So we do that work with you. But I've also noticed that when energy is freed up, energy has your body or your psyche has almost a memory. So if you, it's like going to an osteo treatment you, or you get an adjustment at the chiropractor or whatever, if you go back to your life and you scrunch yourself up in that same pretzel position at your computer, the pain's going to come back because that's your memory. That's your neuro, you know, that's the neural pathway that you've burnt in your brain. So what we do is we do both hand. I'm a, I'm a both, both hand is the name of my next book. It's coming whenever it's coming, <laughs> but um, I'm in the process of writing it. I don't know. I, I've never written a book before, so we'll see how that goes. But I'm doing it because inspiration has invited me. When it strikes you, you've got no choice. I have right? no choice. Yes, I choose not to have a choice. I choose to. I choose it, right? And I'm like, okay, so if it's coming to me, then then let me be the channel for it. So when you have that that subconscious energy released, now you must put it to good use. And so we give you a very, very stripped down, simplified framework, because again, I know from experience, I've had the fancy ass company with the upsell and the downsell and the very fancy website and the very, very complicated funnel and all the tagging and all that jazz. I've done that. I've built it. It is far less profitable and far more work than what we do today with our go to impact with influence. You'll see it's a very basic, very fugly website. It makes me so much more money and I have so much more fun and I connect with so, so much more deeply with the clients that I saw now with this framework than I ever did with all the bells and whistles. I know what I choose. I don't care to impress anybody with how fancy ass my website is. I know what I'm here to do and I'm doing it. And eventually the website will get a facelift, but it ain't a priority right now. That's right. That's right. Well, I love everything about what it is that you're doing, Gita. One, because when you start talking about leadership and leading yourself and having the answers, there's this desire, this insatiable desire that people truly just want to go out there and, and tout the, that they have the answer or that, that they have the, the information, the system. And there's this almost this disconnect with the fact that, quite frankly, it, you're just that much closer to a mistake if you're truly accomplishing all of those things, right? And when you have those mistakes, when you're that close to screwing up, the training really becomes is how do you react to it versus how you reacted to it before. That's why we call this knucklehead, not your next success, because you're about ready to experience either some pain or, or some failure, but it's okay. Get, 
get used to it. You're going to start to enjoy the process. Yes, uh, exactly. That's what we, that's exactly. what we, that's, that's what I like about, that's what I really, really enjoy about uh, your energy. I, and I appreciate this about your, uh, your message for sure. Thank you. hundred percent. Yeah. So for those of you who, who are listening, she gave you a couple different ways uh, for you to get in touch with her. And there was, there were some questions that we wanted to start with. That, frankly, she answered just through the stories. The stories are people who are willing to accept that uncomfortable, messy middle. I, I don't want to describe it like that to, you know, point to a different book, but quite frankly, it's, it's those uncomfortable periods of time between conversations or between action steps that will make it whenever you're presented with the opportunity for success that you will put your best foot forward. Mm -hmm. And I just appreciate that about your stories. No pun intended with the best foot forward, but the, uh, you know, climbing up the mountain. However, I know. <laughs> no, but I, I, uh, I wish you all the best. Thank you. The ha you're doing a half marathon here relatively soon. Aren't I, you? Who knows? I'm signed up for a full. Most likely I'll run a half. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. All yeah. right. Well, Gita, we appreciate you taking some time. Uh, for those of you who like listening to Knucklehead Podcast, new episodes coming out every Tuesday. Gita, we appreciate you telling people how to get in touch with you. Um, Absolutely. I'm on Instagram at Life with Gita. That's Gita with two E's and one T, G-E-E-T-A, Life with Gita. I'm Gita Nadkarni on Facebook, and my channel is Gita Nadkarni on YouTube. There you go. She told you how to get in touch with her. If you don't. Don't say you weren't told because you just were. All right. So we encourage you. Don't be a beta about the process. You will experience uh, that setback. Just go ahead and start getting you some wins. And uh, when you're ready to take that next step, you know how to get in touch with Gita. So Gita, we appreciate you taking some time. Anything else you want to leave these folks with? I think the sort of end message that I will, that kind of sums up this episode is just notice, be playful, be curious. If you can bring curiosity to the next time you fall on your face, you will enjoy it so much more because it is inevitable. It's going to happen, as Stephen said. What I like to do is I like to notice what is the story? Where is the first place my mind goes when something bad happens or when I don't know the answer or when I feel inadequate? Where is the first thing I go to? I, I like to notice it now. And I like to notice it without judgment, so it's not like, oh, yo, you go again. Oh my God, will you ever learn? It's not like that. It's more like, oh, that's interesting. I thought we had released that. So it's still there. Cool. Okay, so what's underneath it? Remember, the stairs to the next level are right there. So if you start looking away or you try to bury it or you try to like, you know, bash it with a hammer and I've literally done all of those things in the past, you're making the process longer and more painful most of the pain, most of the suffering, no, pain is objective, but suffering is a choice. I keep reminding myself of that. As a performance or an endurance athlete, you certainly give yourself some opportunity to experience that. That's why sure. I run. That's absolutely <laughs> why I run is because That's I'm awesome. like, I don't experience this any other way. Yeah. 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 I understand. Well, it forces your mind also to, to sharpen, which again, that's probably why there's there's some tear to it, right? I mean, you said that you said it earlier. If you have a half marathon, there's a marathon. There's a marathon in the desert. There's a this yeah. almost never-ending cycle of people who've constantly put themselves uh, in those situations, and it's fantastic. I appreciate that. All right, so with that, we are wrapped. Gita, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Thank you.